1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Unstoppable podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with my co host, Matthew Gold, co founder and CEO of Unstoppable Domains, and our guest, Pooja Ranjan, the founder at Etherworld and Block Action and herder in chief at Ethereum Cat Herders. Welcome, Pooja. Thanks so much for being here.
2: Thanks, Diana. Thanks for the introduction, and thank you for having me here.
1: Of course. So we have a lot to get into, but I just want to get your background. How did you get interested in crypto and blockchain in the first place?
2: When Bitcoin was launched, I was in my own little world. Like I didn't know what's going on in the world. So this all started in 2016 when I was looking to come back to work again after a very, very long family break. So while we were enjoying our uh, youngest kid, enjoying her cute activities, my spouse was also working on building this mining machine. So it was a small project. I remember we bought just three GPUs and uh, tried to create the rig at home. My kids enjoyed cutting woods, drilling and etc. So that was uh, when, when I first learned about Ethereum and the blockchain. I loved the concept, so did some research and uh, started learning more and more about blockchain and Bitcoin and Ethereum, of course.
1: That's awesome. So back in 2016, this was still relatively early days and way fewer resources back then than we have today. So how did you go about learning more about the space back then? At the time, uh, there were really very few resources available. I had
2: to literally watch hours and hours long of video of conferences uh, to learn about any concept. Uh, so. I started this website, uh, my first website, etherworld.co, which was initially about tech articles. So what we used to do is, right, if you are spending so many hours learning about the concept, we try to write it down in like simple plain English for other people to understand at least first and then get involved. Later on, we started adding uh, about different blockchains as well and some news about the projects and other stuff. But uh, yes, uh, that was like my initial way to start with that. (laughs)
1: And then fast forward to today, there's so many more resources today. Like, what are your, you know, other than obviously go to Etherworld and read about the news there, but other than that, what are some of your sources of truth or your go to places to learn about this space, whether it's, you know, blogs or books or online publications, even Twitter personalities, any resources you can direct people to who are just starting to learn?
2: Uh, Well, actually, I'm a very big fan of uh, GitHub. Like uh, if I have to look into any of the concept or anything related to especially Ethereum, I usually uh, go to the GitHub repo. For ETH2, I can say for sure that most of the information that you can trust on is ETH2 GitHub repo. Even if there is not detailed document, at least they have the link where you can go and find it uh, for Ethereum 1.0, I can say the best place to go is a Fellowship of Ethereum Magician, where people talk about all these EIPs and proposals that can actually make uh, Ethereum network more secure or scalable and like all kind of discussion happens there. Other than that, I follow some people like I'm not a big Twitter, uh, <laughs> like follow back person kind of because I follow people at many other places, right? So I follow a few people. Uh, Anthony Sasal, I like his um, daily giveaway and, you know, for e 2 Benjamin Edgington. His uh, newsletter is very, very cool. It gives a complete information about whatever has happened in e 2 for the entire week. In fact, Cathoders uh, also has a newsletter that covers the network part, like ETH1 part, that, that you can find it over there.
1: We're going to be talking a lot about Ethereum on this, the rest of this podcast. So for people who maybe aren't familiar with what Ethereum is, or maybe they think Ethereum is the same thing as Bitcoin, it's just a cryptocurrency that you can buy and sell. How would you explain Ethereum, what Ethereum is to somebody who's new to the space in you know, a very simple and easy to understand way?
2: I actually have explained this to somebody before. Would you mind if I share the story here? Sure, go ahead. So there was this elderly person uh, who was visiting to the United States to see his daughter. And I met him at a Halloween party in 2019, I guess. So we were just trying to make general conversation. And he asked me about where I work, what do I do and all this stuff. Initially, I tried to be a little brief and I just responded, I have a website and we talk about blockchain technology. And he was like, what is this blockchain technology? And then I asked, do you know Bitcoin? And he said, yes, I know. But isn't that a scam? And it was like, okay. (laughs) Then he said, why will I give money to uh, Bitcoin or to buy that uh, BTC when I can't buy anything else from that? So from there, I I understood that, okay, fine. We have to go back to his level of understanding, try to make, you know, relationship and relate the things. And then I started mentioning about Middleman, uh, How do you feel about middleman? And how do you feel if you remove the middleman from the entire process? What are your thoughts on the corruption? You know, voting system is there and corruption thing. Do you think that it can be solved? So there are many small, small problems that we actually start living with that instead of trying to fix it because it takes too, too much of work to get it fixed, actually. And the, the best part was decentralization because he was visiting to the United States. So I just mentioned, you know... This blockchain technology also give us the freedom of living anywhere we, we want to. We don't have to actually migrate to work and these things. And then it started making sense to him. So we had a long conversation on this while our kids were doing this trick and outside. But I think the key here is to get to make the relevance, like uh, where is that individual from and what what can he relate it with easily? Like had I started with immutability, permanence and enhanced security, it would have taken a little longer to explain him. But yeah.
0: I think that was great because what you did there was you basically said, let's focus on the problems that you're actually facing, right? Instead of trying to explain the technology. And I'm super guilty about this. Because when people ask me about crypto and blockchain, I sometimes will go immediately to the tech. I'm like, oh, it's this really cool tech. It was invented by this guy and it solves this double spend problem. But I think it's really good to focus on the problems that people may face. Like just ask yourself, wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to have someone in the middle of sending money between me and you? Or wouldn't it be great if you could have complete control of your finances uh, from your cell phone instead of having to you know, send that money like manage that through some sort of financial services, or like you're saying, wouldn't be great if I could verify that my vote was accurate that I recently sent in. And I think focusing on the problems there, definitely super helpful for, for people to to get their heads around uh, what they need to do next. So I love that answer. I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing. I wanted to actually kind of move on to the next thing here. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the work that you've done. So You have Etherworld, and I'm curious. You know, why did you start it? And you mentioned it a little bit earlier. But what problem were you trying to solve? And how did you get the idea?
2: When we started Etherworld, as I mentioned, like uh, at the time, there were really few resources available. So I just wanted to create engagement. You know, not everybody starts coding and starts developing Java and all that, all those stuff. So I tried to increase engagement um, with the Ether World, I started a stipend based internship program like on my website, providing opportunities to students uh, to learn the concept and then share it with the other people. I, uh, I selected uh, kids from India uh, because it was easier for me to get uh, uh, you know, associated to universities, reach out to people over there. So there are some very good blogs uh, on the concept of blockchain, wallet, public and private key, sharding, scaling on Etherworlds for beginners, right? And most of them are written by those grad school students. So I found that it is like, it is uh, easier for people to grasp when it is coming from somebody at their own level and writing it there in like simple, plain English. To, you know, increase it further, what we did is like... uh, we try to provide a fair exposure of the technology and we designed some blockchain wallet that was our first project, BlockAction uh, Wallet, which was live on Covenant Testnet. And then uh, we also did a couple of POCs on blockchain certificates and small other, other projects so that these kids, they get the first-hand experience of coding as well. Like at the moment, uh, we have uh, BlockAction.io that is again a blockchain explorer for each two testnet, like uh, we joined multi-client testnet uh, with uh, Witty. Like they had the series of testnets. So we joined it with Witty. And since then, we have uh, been supporting with this explorer for different testnets. And, uh, you know, I think that when people are actually interacting getting live into that 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 really helps and support and when we are helping out these kids they will one day come up as become a developer and maybe start solving the problem that never people can never thought of you know
1: with etherworld then like who is the audience that you're trying to serve the most is it Sort of people that are brand new to the space—is it really, you know, still students that are trying to learn about this to help them with their research and learning, or you know, who exactly is it that is the target audience that you're trying to serve?
2: So at the moment, I can say that like uh, EtherWorld, we have uh, recently started a section of news as well. So this news section that we started is uh, are for people who do not want to get into details, but also want to stay up to date, right? What's going on in the market and what are the new projects that those are coming up. So that is one section. The other section is technical article uh, that is, in fact, I can say that uh, that is uh, for all the grad level students who are first uh, looking about the blockchain for the first time, very first time, they can learn that. And we also have this internship program. So even if they want to join us and they write about it and they learn and write about it, so that is also there. Yeah, I mean, like uh, three basic section: project information, news, and tech. So people who are l- trying to understand technology and students who are willing to maybe uh, grow up as a developer. I,
1: I hope to see that grow even more and more, and hopefully the masses will, you know, catch on and get to the news section and maybe graduate into the other sections as well. Thank you. And so overall, like, what is your big vision with how – Etherworld is contributing to the overall mission of pushing blockchain forward? Etherworld
2: is just one project uh, of my LLC, right? So with this Etherworld, I mean, I hope to keep sharing information, like whatever comes up, like for uh, for Ethereum, right? I'm very closely associated with Ethereum blockchain community. So whatever is going on in Ethereum, I try to Keep people updated, let people know what are the progress is being made and like how we are reaching to this consensus and all. So that is one part. Uh, but uh, other than that, I would like to keep helping out to the other, you know, uh, Ethereum uh, projects as well. Like for E2, as we mentioned, we have this block action. We we intend to continue further With that, supporting the testnet developers who actually want to test their L2 projects if they are developing it on the testnet um, peer mount or maybe whatever is coming up in future because I heard that peer mount would be duplicated soon. So whatever testnet uh, Etherdevs selects, so I'll try to support them. And even for this uh, roll-up thing that is coming up, uh, we I mean, it's not decided yet. We are just thinking about it depending upon how much fun we have and how much resources we have. Maybe we would uh, start supporting uh, with some infrastructure tools or something like that too.
0: You've got a lot on your plate from just chatting with you earlier and all the different projects that you're involved with. But one of them that I think is your most interesting title, which is at the Ethereum cat herders uh, being the herder in chief. So I definitely think that's the coolest title i've ever seen on the podcast so far and i just have to ask you you know how did you end up being the herder in chief over there for the ethereum cat herders i guess maybe a first place is why don't you tell the people what the ethereum cat herders group is for because i actually think a lot of people don't know for developers out there you've probably heard of these people but i'll actually pass it over to you to tell us a little bit about that and how you ended up being involved with those guys so
2: it all actually started with ether world only like At the time, uh, they were looking for somebody to write uh, the meeting notes for all their meeting notes. And uh, I was uh, like, you know, volunteering for that. I wrote a couple of uh, meeting notes, published it on itself. Then after, I think, uh, one or two years, they decided to come up with uh, this, a formalized group where people can support with different tasks that is like, you know, communication, coordination, documenting notes and all. So Ethereum Cat Herder was initially founded in 2019 by Hudson Jameson and a few other people from the Ethereum community. And the idea was just to support the development work, the client does. Maybe with the Ethereum network upgrade as well, because uh, I think that time there was some urgent upgrade. It was Petersburg, St. Petersburg it was. like We started with that, but as time passed, more people joined. And now it is a complete decentralized project management group. And we aim to become Ethereum support desk for the new community members. And this group has uh, project managers, developers, and individual contributors. And currently, we are looking into like too many, um, what do you call, small meetings. And we try to connect people. It's like a cement, which is like closing the gaps between the client developers, the infrastructure provider, and the community at large.
0: Got it. Yeah. And I guess for the people at home who may not know, uh, when you run a blockchain, you have these things called clients. That's the software that people are running on their computers in order to uh, validate the uh, blockchain network. And then on the Ethereum side, there's a couple of major clients. I know there's Geth or Geth. I actually don't know how, that, how they pronounce it. Uh, and then we have Parity and then I know Prismatic Labs have a client there as well. I guess that's where you guys started was was helping those clients just communicate with each other and, and try to connect to make sure uh, that they're all in sync on upcoming proposals.
2: That's correct. So uh, yeah there are I think uh, four uh, major client at the moment for ethereum one chain that is uh, get go ethereum. Uh, parity is like uh, now deprecated and the new name is open Ethereum. Other than that, Nethermind and Besu, these are the four major clients. EthereumJS is also there, that is also supporting. And one more is TurboGet, but these are like, uh, okay, uh, they they are also supporting uh, uh, the upgrade, and people are running client nodes on that. So, yes, the idea was like whatever comes up to the all core dev meeting, means all client developers meeting actually, if there is a proposal uh, like, any kind of improvement proposal that people would like to see on Ethereum network to make it more secure, maybe to add certain new features. So these people are making decisions, and now what we need to do is like we need to make sure that this, these decisions are not only developers' uh, wishes only, but also what is coming from community side. So we are trying to kind of moderate these two things, come up with building consensus and all. So yes, moderation is one of the important thing here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I would say it's critical. I haven't checked recently, but I think, I believe Ethereum is a $100 billion plus blockchain, if not 200 billion now. This is all being coordinated by all of these developers working on different open source clients for people to verify this. You know, if any of these clients have a bug, that's a, that's a major problem for everyone. And so just organizing the communication among those people, uh, make sure that they have a place where they can go if they talk about problems. The Ethereum cat herders group, it's, it's basically like a place where all the developers who are working on Ethereum hang out in order to know what's going on in the space, you know, on the tech side to get the latest news. Right. And then I know that there's magicians, which is, you know, through the Ethereum Foundation, there's a lot of people in there who are talking about these proposals. Uh, but I think it's great that you guys are making it easier for all these developers to get together. And these are really developers who are building the core infrastructure for the protocols to make sure that they can communicate well so we don't have mistakes. I mean, there's a lot of money on the line here and everyone's pretty invested. And I know it's tough on those guys too, so I actually just wanna give a shout out to everyone working on these clients. You guys are doing an amazing job and this is not just on Ethereum, but also, you know, Bitcoin across the cryptocurrency ecosystem, the people working on these and then specific to Ethereum, everyone working on Geeth, and then you know, Open Ethereum, and Nevermind and Besu and EthereumJS and the other ones. Um, those are great works. And we're very happy. It's important to have more than one, too, which I think people miss because uh, if you just have one, uh, one different, one way to verify the blockchain, if that one has a bug, that's a real problem. But if you have six, you know, it's much more likely that it's harder to get them all synced. But then I think it's also a lot safer. Something you mentioned, which I think the people at home are not aware of, is you talked about improvement proposals. Most blockchains out there have an improvement proposal process. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a way for people to suggest, hey, here's a way where we could potentially make the blockchain better. And Ethereum has the EIP, which is the Ethereum Improvement Proposal, and different blockchains have their own uh, system. But if you don't mind just talking us through real quick, I'd actually like to know who writes and submits EIPs. You know, it's kind of like, what's the life of an improvement proposal? Where do these come from? It's really a community effort, isn't it?
2: That's correct, and thank you for asking this question. This is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so I have like spent over two years. Like uh, when I got associated with Ethereum Cat Herders, got an opportunity to work with these uh, proposals, authors, uh, EIP editors, and network upgrade these things like very closely. So in simple terms, I can say that. Uh, EIPs, those are the building blocks of Ethereum chain. They decide what will go on the main chain, like what feature can be added, what uh, security we can provide and all this stuff. EIP, it's like Ethereum improvement proposal, um, as it is explained. There are basically three different kind of proposals, uh, EIPs meta standard and informational. So meta standard is like meta one, that is the biggest one. At the moment, we have just one meta that is called EIP one. So EIP one is a kind of holy document where everything is listed, like uh, as you were asking like who can uh, write a proposal and how to write a proposal, all these detailed information is mentioned there in meta one. So anyone can write a proposal. If you have an idea, you can go ahead and write a proposal. You're looking for some um, guidelines, EIP1 is the guideline for that. Next comes the standard. So standard is further divided into four sections. Core, ERC, interface and networking. Core proposals are the proposals which actually undergoes any kind of upgrade. So network upgrade is when, when we ask people to upgrade their client node because we are adding certain features to Ethereum chain. So uh, those proposals are decided, I mean, those proposals are proposed with the help of these core proposals and are decided by the client developers and the community consensus. And then it undergoes a network upgrade. ERC, I think many people are aware of ERC-20 tokens. You can create that. ERC simply means uh, Ethereum request chain. So uh, it's like any kind of cryptocurrency people uh, try to make a token uh, so they take uh, propose ERC and uh, they propose the standard like something related, and there are something related to interface and networking as well. Like uh, if we have to work with APIs, there are certain proposals which are upcoming for future upgrades. Those are really important. And the third and uh, the last bigger category was informational. So that's as explains. So it's like uh, it's not mandate. People can uh, follow it, not follow it, but that is available for information if you are looking for. And like, you know, these EIP, as I mentioned, it is my favorite topic. So I would like to speak a little more. What we did is like, you know, uh, there are very, very few information available about proposal because this is mostly done by the highly technical people. They come up with some proposals and they write it down and, and like this is processing. Not many people are aware of it, like what all proposals are available what features are already standardized? What, how can we make use of that? So we started this AIP educational program. Uh, it's not a program. It's a basically a web series on AIP. Um, uh, what we can say is like, you know, okay, educate about EIBs. So we call author of a proposal, ask them to provide an overview of the proposal. And that's how, you know, uh, there are some question answered as well. That's how we are trying to give more exposure to proposals which are coming up in the upgrade.
0: Well, we'll definitely dive into some specific EIPs here. So don't worry, we're gonna make sure we we walk through a couple of these so people at home can hear what's coming up here. Uh, But before we get into the specifics, I actually like to kind of step up back to the top, maybe at a higher level. What are some of the problems that people are submitting EIPs for? Like I have some some ideas. I know there's problems with UX, right? And then we have problems for uh, scaling. Uh, And so I'm just kind of curious, We'll dig into some specific ones, like we're going to talk about a couple of EIP-1559 and a couple other ones here a little bit later. But for the problem side, because we're just trying to frame this for people at home, what are some ones that you're seeing or that you think are interesting to mention?
2: I can mention a couple of proposals which are proposed for London upgrade. London is the next upgrade that is after Berlin we are expecting. Berlin is expected in April yeah mid of the April I think 14th April hopefully it will deploy on the mainnet after that we are expecting another upgrade and the proposals that we have received so far obviously 1559 is the one that is going in there there is another issue that is uh, it's not an actually an issue but uh, we see it uh, quite often it's uh, the difficulty bomb I say stuff so there is another proposal on that Other than that, uh, certain proposals for like uh, BLS uh, signature, which can be helpful for Ethereum 2 project as well, like uh, making a relationship between uh, 1 and 2. Some proposals uh, that came recently was about uh, transaction, you know, transaction format, how we can make it like universal kind of. So there is one interesting proposal coming up, EIP 3074, Native Sponsored Transaction. So these are the core proposals, but other than that, we also see some proposals around... uh, ERCs and those are related to maybe kind of UI as you mentioned UI improvement of wallet and recently we also found another proposal which was for exchanges like exchanges has these issues of high gas right so they have to do it for their individual users they have to manage accounts and they they intentionally add a lot of gas so that their uh, transaction gets accepted. So that is creating a high gas in the entire network. So this person, he talked about uh, this proposal and uh, I think uh, he mentioned that by utilizing, uh, I mean, by implementing that proposal, we can, if not solve, at least mitigate at a certain level. So there are quite a lot of interesting proposals that we are seeing here.
0: Okay, so I'm going to try to summarize that at home on on what the problems that people are trying to solve and then we'll dive into each one of those that you've mentioned in particular. So one of them is like, Uh, high gas cost because uh, exchanges want to make sure that the user always gets their money when they submit the transaction. So they just put in the highest gas fee possible to go through. And that probably maps over to EIP 1559 because if you had like a standard price for things, then you wouldn't have to submit a really high gas price. You could just submit the average to get that go through. Um, Another one that you talked about was UX. People at home who have tokens. So if you've ever played with tokens on the Ethereum blockchain or you have an NFT, you know, these are ERC standards for like, ERC-20 for tokens or ERC-721. So it sounds like there's some action there on the uh, improvement proposals to come up with some more standards that could be useful. So I'm excited to kind of hear maybe what those could be. Uh, We have another one that's kind of inside baseball. It's the difficulty bomb. So for people who don't know about blockchains, the developers put in a piece of code on the blockchain that makes the blockchain become very, very hard to uh, do the next transactions at a certain point in time and the reason why they do that is to it's basically like setting a goal for the blockchain to make an update right and so the developers on ethereum in particular made this difficulty bomb thing because they wanted to ensure that they wouldn't get lazy and so so like every year they have a difficulty bomb so if they don't make an improvement by the by that year uh, then they have to you know make an improvement here to, to move the difficulty bomb off um, so that's pretty interesting too and then uh ux you're saying there's a couple of designs there that that could potentially help uh, UX and the user side. So let's dive in uh, and let's talk about 1559 just real briefly at a high level. And then we won't go deep because we're going to have Tim uh, on here and the not too distant feature. Then we'll touch on the uh, Berlin upgrade, the network upgrade that you said you're going to come up and then we'll talk about London. So EIP 1559 actually, is that Berlin or is that London? That's London. Okay, OK, well, then let's talk about Berlin first, because I think that one's coming up first. Another thing that people may not know is that uh, blockchains update all the time. So we have a network upgrade that's going to happen here, uh, I think, in the next month. And it's called Berlin. That's the name of the upgrade. Uh, These seem to be named after cities. Tell us how the upgrade process works. I'm sure people will be very interested at home because all the clients that we talked about earlier, and there's like five of them. They all have to update on these on these upgrades. So uh, what's that like on the coordination side for the Ethereum cat herders uh, for Berlin that's coming up here? And you can let us know about when that's happening and kind of some of the improvements we can see there.
2: So uh, Berlin is a name, of course, I um, mean, like this upgrade is named after Berlin, but let me give you a little bit of history of that. So what, what happened, like uh, people were always thinking about new name for upgrades. Then we decided that wherever we have, done defcon so start from defcon whatever city or country we are touching that so we will start upgrade, uh, naming upgrades based on the DevCon city so it started with defcon zero berlin and then london then shanghai and then we are planning to move accordingly so in berlin uh, we are targeting to introduce four proposals yeah i, I think four yes like uh, that is going to include uh, EIP2565, which is a mod EXP gas cost. It is about some uh, upward, uh, you know, about the gas cost price. For It is basically an uh, improvement of EIP198, which was originally introduced to pre compile for um, modular ex- exponentials then we are introducing eip 2718 that is pertinent to eip 1559 as well because that is a tied transaction envelope like it's it's going to introduce a new transaction type that is an envelope to be to enable easier support for multiple transaction types like you know with this introduction of 1559 there would be one 1559 type of transaction and then we have legacy transaction to support all kind of this we have this tied transaction envelope Other than that, we have two more proposals, EIP 2929 and EIP 2930. 2930 is to support uh, EIP 2929, that is gas cost increase for state access opcodes. And 2930 is simply to provide optional access list in case uh, EIP 2929 breaks any of the contracts. So uh, that is there. uh, All these proposals are on Ropsten Testnet uh, as of now, like yesterday only on uh, March 10th, uh, they were there and so far they are doing good. There's no problem with the Ropsten Testnet so far. We're expecting it to be on different uh, Testnet uh, like uh, Gorilla and uh, we are also planning to have it on uh, Coven and others. Uh, The detailed block number and the dates that is published on the Ethereum Foundation blog. So, yeah, uh, that's all about uh, Berlin.
0: Yeah, it's quite a lot. And these things happen, what would you say, every six months or so, maybe six to nine months, they they have an update or sometimes quicker.
2: So what happens, our last update was in 2020 January. So it's coming after a very long gap. Istanbul was uh, in December 2019 and New Glacier was in January 2020. When Istanbul was being decided, there was there were some issues that were surfacing. So we came up with this EIPIP group that was like EIP improvement process group. We started thinking about how we can uh, streamline the process of network upgrade. So we made some changes, right? We uh, started considering uh, important parameters to be considered for an upgrade. There were different kinds of proposals. One was EIP centric model, then another was train and flight model. So we started experimenting with that, and finally, uh, I think uh, in Q four, I have published a blog on network upgrade. What does the current model look like? So we are trying to come to you know a shorter window of upgrade. Although this is like quite long, <laughs> but we expect three to five months that that should be. I
0: think. Wow, well, that's a that's a huge improvement, and sounds like so the next update for Ethereum is, is not very contentious. Uh, like you're saying, it's already up on Robston. We expect this to happen in the next 30 to 60 days. And it's some basic cleanup here that we just have to do to make sure that we don't have problems as more and more people start coming onto Ethereum. And then I guess the one afterwards, so the London proposal probably goes out July. We'll see when it gets in. So that's much quicker, right? So April, May, June, July. So that's like four months. That one actually has a couple of things in here that are a little bit hotter. So we have the, I think London is going to have an update for 1559, which is going to kind of cap gas costs and then also burn the fee for miners. And then the difficulty bomb uh, is going to be pushed back. I was wondering what other proposals are coming up on London that we could potentially see in the London fork this July.
2: So there are quite a few proposals in line, like as you mentioned, two, uh, those have been like uh, CFI approved. CFI means Consider for inclusion. That's a step that we have introduced with this new network upgrade uh, process. So uh, first step is to uh, propose it for CFI proposal. Next is approval. And then people start working on it. Then it goes to developers testnet. Like many people may have heard about YOLO. We started with YOLO version 1, version 2, and version 3 was the final one before we uh, started putting it to the public testnet for Berlin.
0: I guess my next question would be, one of the things that people have been talking about is potentially removing refunds. Is that on the blockchain? And for people who don't know, there's a way to get a refund on your blockchain transaction here. And people have been taking advantage of this, in my opinion, to create different ways of paying cheaper gas. They're using uh, gas tokens. So uh, removal of refunds, is that possible that that could come up here in July or any other interesting ones that you think are worth mentioning for the potential July 4th?
2: Yeah, I think uh, that is very much up. Uh, we could not decide in the last all-coder meeting, although it was uh, proposed. We have a proposal uh, listed for that. Vitalik has recently added a proposal for that particular, uh, you know, gas refund thing. Uh, let me just quickly check the number the number is 3298 yeah that is removal of refunds uh a proposal so we are basically trying to uh, remove the, the as you mentioned you know gas tokens they provide some kind of refund so it is possible if it is like uh because it is fairly new uh, it has been written in like 10 days at the max So it depends upon the client teams, how they would analyze this, like if it is possible to actually implement all those codes and get it integrated, and then only it can be approved. So there has to be some discussion on this. But other than that, there are a few proposals which are ready, like which were ready at the time of Berlin, but we could not include it there. That is one of those are BLS1. So BLS, I think it is EIP 2537. So that is, again, a very helpful proposal. People are looking for that. It's basically a pre-compile for BLS 12381 curve operations. So it's going to help a lot in some of the applications there. And there is one more proposal that is native sponsored transaction. That is EIP 3074. That's also have like a lot of use cases. And one of the use cases that uh, we do not actually need to pay in ETH for the gas fees. we can pay it with the erc20 tokens or something else so there are quite a few proposals which some of which we expect to be hearing in the next all code meeting i think it is not this friday the coming friday yeah
0: well i will just shout out to vitalik there for writing the proposal on getting rid of the gas token, essentially by getting rid of this uh, refunds for storage space. I am 100% in agreement with him, and I'm glad that he put that out there because I think it's actually been pushing gas prices up. Now that's one man's opinion. I'm sure other people will weigh in on that, but I was glad to see that uh, come from the top on that side. Uh, So very interesting. And it's also pretty cool to see that Vitalik is still actively involved in these Ethereum improvement proposals five, six years on, like he's still in here checking out. So uh, very cool. And thank you for the uh, summary on what's coming up in Berlin and London in the next few months. Sounds like we're gonna have a lot of action on Ethereum uh, over the next six months.
2: Yeah, definitely. We are going to see a lot of proposals, lot of improvements, and there are something going on on the merge side as well, like consensus layer and application layer merge. When we are planning to ship the uh, algorithm from proof of work to proof of stake so there are quite a few proposal lined up which are also going to you know kind of mix these two chains together and uh, uh, you know uh, for merge I mean although we don't see merge like in this year we are expecting it next year but people have started talking about how to make it earlier sooner rather than later so let's see I, I hope there would be a few more proposals coming in.
1: Well, I'm excited to see what happens, too. And sorry for the just lurking and sitting back here. I was just taking it all in and learning. And I can obviously tell how passionate you are about all of this. And it's crazy to think that this is actually your part time work. And you're actually involved in a lot of other projects as well. So I want to hear about some of the other projects that you've worked on. You mentioned block action earlier. I think you've also been involved in some, you know, hackathons and Gitcoin and things like that. So talk about some of the other projects that you've worked on outside of Ethereum cat herders
2: so yeah block action is uh, one of the project the side project it was uh, because we just started to again educate people about uh, ethereum 2.0 it started when ethereum 2.0 was not on the mainnet and they were looking for different option the multi client testnet was their first experiment and we wanted to support that so we gathered a team of few developers and we came up with this explorer so that Whatever is being tested, at least there should be a background, I mean, where people can go and check the relevance of data and how it is coming up. So that's how block action started uh, this this version of that. And uh, yeah, we hope to continue support with that. Other than that, uh, I am engaged with events and uh, I go out to do, do talk about all these stuff like the network upgrade, the process improvement that happens in Ethereum. Recently, uh, like in the ETH Denver 2021, we you know, we Uh, spoke about what are the past, present, and future that we see for the Ethereum network, upgrade, especially for Ethereum 1.0. And yeah, I I was happy. I got an opportunity to even just the final hackathon of ETH Denver. That was like one of my best experience there. I I met a few people uh, like, I I want to make a special mention of this lady. I'm sorry, I I forgot her name, but she was somewhere from Denver. She was a commissioner. And I saw her interest in blockchain. That was quite impressive. I can't believe that somebody who is not actually from the blockchain space knows this, man, this much about blockchain, and her questions her suggestions were too good. So it's a good exposure for me to learn more and go see around. Briefly, I was also involved with Marketing DAO, I was helping out with operations there. So, yeah, I've been, I, I keep on looking. For projects uh, around and try to figure out a way how I can support, help, whatever is possible.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I I am also curious to hear what you think is going to happen in the next year in this space that's really exciting. We obviously dove into some of the specifics about some of the interesting EIPs to look out for in the next year. But give us sort of the big picture of where do you see us at the end of 2021 or maybe in March of the next year? Where do you see us being with Ethereum?
2: I think I have spoken a lot on the network upgrade side. But if I can give you a little, you know, kind of roadmap of what what we can expect from Ethereum side, we are definitely going for a Berlin upgrade in April and then July and August, that would be for London timing. After that, there could be one more upgrade Uh, that is not decided yet. But if that happens, that would be Shanghai uh, somewhere around December 2021 or January 2022. Uh, that is my best guess. And that would also include some interesting proposals like Vocal Tree and EIP 2935 and many more requirements that would be needed for the merge. So merge is basically when we are trying to shift from proof of work to proof of stake. And currently, uh, we 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 like to refer it as two different layers. The so consensus layer, that is Ethereum 2.0, that is going to be the brain of the chain. And the application layer, which is like Ethereum 1.0 as of now, but uh, it will be referred as the uh, application layer. And uh, the merge is expected. I mean, if if not very soon, we can expect it somewhere in Q1 or something like that. At the most, maybe in the summer of 2022. But I, I feel like there are quite a few interesting things lined up and I'm really excited about it.
1: That's awesome. And then I'm also curious to hear what, what do you have in store for Etherworld in the remainder of 2021? Etherworld... Uh,
2: Uh, I mean, like I feel guilty about it, as you mentioned, that it doesn't sound like your part time job. So, yeah, I have spending more time over there. So I'm looking for more people to join in. And maybe when, uh, you know, uh, when this period, this uh, summer vacation kind of uh, comes up and then more students shows up, they want to get some uh, spend their time doing some good work, some learning work. So I hope that we'll continue providing good information, good piece of article. And also I'm planning to start some YouTube channel now. More of writing is done. But something needs to be done on the video side because video explanation, I believe, is like very easy way to comprehend anything. Right. So um, I'm hoping to start something on video section as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming here and spending time with us today and just talking about all of these really deep topics about how the process works for blockchains and the developer community to get together and actually work on them, uh, which is essentially a lot of the work that you do over at the Ethereum cat herders. And then a couple of questions here at the end, how can people support the developer community? Because I know there may be some people out there listening to this and they're like, oh man, I really, you know, I want to support some of these people and, and help them on their projects. Um, is there a place for people to find information around where they could potentially um, help support some of these developers or some of these clients that are going out, uh, ways that they could you know, help contribute? Because I know a lot of people in this space are very excited about what's happening and they would love to uh, be able to, to help however they can.
2: As I mentioned, that uh, Ethereum cat we are trying to become the Ethereum support desk, right? So we have recently started this uh, Discord uh, channel for people to join, and and what we do is like uh, we try to redirect them to their you know uh, you know group that they are looking for, so they can always land up to easy Discord and ask uh, a question, and we have a lot of people over there, a lot of developers, EIP editors who can actually guide on some information that they are looking for and uh, that that is one way we can say that and other than that we have this uh, newsletter coming out every week in that we provide the information of what core team client team are looking for any developers
0: Perfect. All right. So for developers at home, you know, they're looking for help. And then for other people, just go into the community and they can direct you to where they could be helpful. And then, you know, Unstoppable Domains is going to take a look. Maybe there's some uh, EIPs we can put together for uh, Ethereum as well in this next year to try to help move the ecosystem uh, forward. So I guess as a final thing where can people find you <laughs> online? Where would you direct people to go and look for you? What's the easiest place for them to connect with you and the work that you're doing? Uh, so if they want to follow up after this podcast, they can.
2: Right, so if you would like to learn more about Ethereum and EIPs, join ECH Discord, subscribe to the ECH YouTube channel, and follow the playlist, Peep and Eep. If you are a DApp developer and working on uh, Ethereum 2.0 testnet, working on some project that could be there, you can visit to blockaction.io and uh, uh, get some general information about that. If you want to stay updated uh, with news and uh, tech thing, Etherworld is there for. to follow me. You can always follow my work on uh, Twitter and Medium, I, I generally make some posts. so my Twitter handle is PoojaRanjan19, same is for Medium, so yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pooja, for being here. Really enjoyed the conversation. I learned so much. I feel like I just took a backseat today and let the two of you talk it out. But I've I've learned so much and I can't wait to dive deeper into some of these EIPs and check out what's coming up in the future as well. So thanks again for being here. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thank you, Matt, for co-hosting with me as always. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable podcast. Thank Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you, and thanks again for listening.